Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We wish you the best this day and let's take some time to prepare our hearts and minds to reflect upon God's word. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today comes from both the Old and New Testaments, the first from the book of Job, chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. Hear the word of God. Oh, that my words were written down, oh, that they were inscribed in a book, oh, that with an iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold. Our second lesson is from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 24 through 41. This is, uh, picks up in the middle of the story where Jesus has healed a man uh, blind from birth. And uh, the man is beginning to witness to those that uh, he has received this healing. And this part of his story is part of the pushback he gets from the story that he shared. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he's a sinner. One thing I do know, though, is that I was blind, but now I see. 
And they said to him, well, what, did he, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, well, I've told you already and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And then they reviled him saying, you are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, well, here's an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. This man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out of the temple. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I have come into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as is often the case, the scriptures that are suggested for our daily readings raise some interesting issues when one lays them side by side. Our first lesson comes again from the book of Job, and in it we hear the words of this suffering man, Job, who spends most of the book lamenting over his pain, quite justifiably. But then in these verses, we hear Job return to the depths of his soul, where he finds the core of his faith, and he says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my sin has been destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God. Despite of all of what might suggest to Job that God is absent, Job nevertheless believes in what he cannot see, and knows that in the end God will prevail despite the darkness. The second story is about this blind man, a man born blind, whom Jesus heals, but strangely, nobody wants to take this man's testimony as being gospel, won't take his word for it. They need some explanation other than what he can provide. He knows that the rabbi Jesus has laid his hands upon him and healed him, but they're not going for it. And the entirety of chapter 9 is just this man sticking with his story. He's willing to stick with the story even when it means being driven out of the temple. Sometimes life gives us this opportunity to clarify what we know, what we believe, and what we have experienced. You've heard me invoke the name many times before of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a rising leader and theologian in the German church during the rise of the Nazi party a time in which many of his brothers and sisters were aligning themselves with the dictator Adolf Hitler, who had managed to convince more and more German Christians that it was consistent to follow God and to follow his oppressive rule and his violent treatment of people different from him. 
Bonhoeffer was one of the few leaders in the church who wouldn't go along. He kept himself apart and eventually joined the conspiracy to assassinate Hitler, a desperate measure, especially for one who claimed pacifist views. It landed Bonhoeffer in the end in jail. And there he lived for two years praying for release. And just weeks shy of the end of the war, Bonhoeffer was executed at one of the many German concentration camps. We're fortunate to have many, many papers and letters that Bonhoeffer wrote during those two years of imprisonment, many filled with anguish, others filled with doubt, and still others filled with hope. On November 21st, 1943, Bonhoeffer wrote a letter from Tegel Prison in which he said this, a prison cell like this is a good analogy for Advent. One waits, hopes, does this or that, ultimately negligible things. The door is locked and can only be opened from the outside. Despite the fact that no good deed goes unpunished, despite the fact that he languished in a prison cell, despite the fact that he had no certainty as to whether he would ever be released, despite hearing allied bombing in the near distance, despite knowing that the door was locked on the inside, Bonhoeffer believed Nevertheless, that there was still someone on the other side of the door. There was someone waiting for him. Which explains that finally when the door did open, and it was the Nazi guards there to take him to his hanging, Bonhoeffer made his way down the corridor of cells and was heard to say, this is the end, but for me, it is just the beginning. You know, I cannot imagine sitting in a jail cell because of something I believed. I cannot imagine the way that Job suffered. I can't imagine what, have been, what, have been, what it would have been like to have your sight restored and, and as a result being cast out of church. Faith brings with it some terrible consequences. Life itself is filled with all sorts of difficulties when what we believe is then put to the test. Lead us not into temptation, Jesus tells us to pray. And I suppose the temptation he's talking about most is the temptation to think that maybe doing the right thing just isn't worth it. Telling the truth isn't worth it. Being unashamed of our testimony isn't worth it. Standing up against liars and bullies and autocrats just isn't worth it. And these become either opportunities to give up or just opportunities for clarification to answer the questions, what do I really believe? What lies at my core? What would I go to jail for? Do I believe my Redeemer lives? Do I know that though the prison door is locked on the inside, there is someone on the other side? To know and believe these things is to find peace where there is no peace. May it be so for you and for me. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for those who spoke up and for those who stood fast, showing us that it is worth worth it to stick to our story, to our convictions, and to our knowledge of what is right, faithful, and true. Give us this courage 
give us this peace. In Jesus' name, amen.